everybody. I'm Noelle. And I'm Jenna. And this is More Than Murder, where we delve into everything eerie with a side of true crime. More Than Murder is not your typical true crime podcast. Join us on a weekly tour through the haunted, the bloody, the creepy, and the nutty on our Freaky Fridays. Hello, Jenna. Hello. It is Friday yet again. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it is time for another episode of More Than Murder. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> listeners. Welcome back, as always. Uh, so, my last episode was the first time in a while I'd done a serial killer. <laughs> but it must have been enough for me for a while, because I'm right back to a haunted episode. Of course! <laughs> That's how we, we have to break it up somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just in the mood, so... I mean, this is more than murder, everything eerie with a side of true crime and so yes. on, so yes, yes. that's what I'm giving you. <laughs> Anyways, I picked this place for a reason. It didn't turn out to be the most um, well-known as far as spirits go, but that's for a certain reason. Yeah. But I did it because besides being somewhat a local place, I used to go to Buffalo State College for a semester, as you know, and when I showed up to my dorm, I looked out the window and saw... The Olmstead Complex, <laughs> right next door. Just a clear view of this marvelous, beautifully haunting, old-ass building. Oh, yeah. After being there for just a short while, I found out that it was the H.H. Richardson Olmstead Complex, which housed the mentally and criminally insane. Oh, boy. Yeah, right next to the college. Of so course. So it was, like, the most intriguing thing <laughs> when I got there. I was like, this is amazing and scary. <laughs> As an 18-year-old girl, again, equally, I was creeped out and captivated by this place. Uh-huh. So much so that for a group project in my speech class, my good friend Ryan and some other kids in our group, as well as myself, ventured near the grounds as close as we could get, being that it was fenced, mm-hmm. and filmed our, quote, ghost hunt that was our speech project. <laughs> it was great. Uh-huh. My friends and I also enjoyed chilling on the emergency staircase of one of the buildings. It had this creepy wooden door on the landing that was covered in ivy, which obviously was not used. So I, I'm going to put a pic of that on the blog because I, I love it and I think it's cool. Definitely not used. No. So construction began on the complex all the way back to around 1872. Okay. It was built by architect Harry Hobson Richardson. And the grounds were done by landscape architect William Law Olmsted, who actually designed the Central Park in New York City. This is where the name H.H. Richardson Olmsted Complex came from. Yes, okay. So over the years, this complex has gone through many, many names, such as um, the Buffalo Psychiatric Center, Buffalo State Lunatic Asylum, the Buffalo State... Asylum, I believe, H.H. Richardson Complex, Buffalo State Asylum for the Insane, and the Richards Richardson Olmstead Complex. So it's just called a variety Why of Why do they always just change, 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 I do change. not know. Just keep a name. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. If you remember back from one of Jenna's Asylum stories, you'll know all about Thomas Kirkbride and his plans that would help treat mentally ill patients more humanely and like they're actually the humans that they are. My dude. Yes. (laughs) My dude. The Olmstead Complex was also built with Kirkbride's plans and had lots of windows and open balconies where patients could sit in the sun. Oh, I love that. Yes. He made his mark. Because there were, I don't talk about it a whole lot, but eventually the building got, the property in the complex got so big with different buildings that patients were split up by their illnesses or by what they were there for at the time, whether okay. it be criminal or, you know, psychic, you know, like more. Yes, yes. 
that type of stuff. And so there were a few tuberculosis patients, so they did have to have some form of lighting and things like that at the time. So Seems like that was always the way. Yes. The complex sat on about 203 acres, mm-hmm. of which were actually open to the public just to walk around them. And if I knew that when I was in Buff State, we would have actually gone on the property. <laughs> <laughs> However, that 203 acres was before was mil- more was built around the complex, and the land has actually shrunk to about 90 acres or so, I believe. Yeah, it makes sense. It's yeah. Just, I mean, yeah. Yeah, because, in fact, in 1927, the grounds had been cut down by half to begin construction on Buffalo State College. Yep. So yep. that's part of the th- reason Putting why Putting things was, on the land. Yeah. yeah. So, the facility was actually opened in 1880 and considered to be a state-of-the-art treatment facility. They always are when they open. When they open, right. When they open. Yes. The copus. (laughs) Copus? I was going to say boasted next. Oh, I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) The campus boasted a peaceful and welcoming environment. The people in charge of this facility would often share photos of the grand pianos it had, the libraries that were stacked full that were available to the patients, Aww. and a baseball field for the community members as well as the patients also. Wow, okay. Yeah. Hmm. As far as everyone concerned, um, yeah, I can't talk today. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. As far as everyone was concerned, this was a great place for the mentally ill, especially with Kirkbride's plans. Mm-hmm. The patients there felt less like they were confined in a mental institution and more like they were living somewhat normal lives. Which is what is important. They need structure and normalcy. Mm -hmm. The facility was built with nice wide hallways with tall ceilings and a multitudinous number of windows, which would allow for more natural light filtration than if the corridors were just like tiny and dark and windowless. Yeah. Yeah. So the patients were also encouraged to go ahead and read in the library, meet up with their mates for dinner in one of the lavish dining halls, and play baseball outside with their wingmates as well. So instead of just being confined, a lot of the times they were encouraged to go out and be normal, you know, as possible. So there was also a music room in which patients could learn and practice new instruments and could even put on stage shows for the patients in other wings. Music therapy! Yes. Yes. (laughs) What's that? Eloise, I think? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder if Eloise ended up, like, having some of the Kirkbride... With having art therapy, maybe it just wasn't mentioned. Maybe they did use some of Kirk Bride's plans. I, I believe he probably had such an impact on every single one yeah. in the country at that point. The ones that were try that started out trying to do good things with the with the lighting and being outdoors, yes, and yes. I believe that was all like Kirk Bride for some I reason. Know. And well, then they all take a turn. <laughs> I know. I mean, there is Dorothea Dix. Yes, her too. Yes, yes that's right. Which I want to yep. get. Maybe just like a special, like not even haunted or anything episode. I'll just do one on Dorothy. Yeah, she was a huge advocate for the mentally. Huge. It it was all in the 1800s, 1880s, 1870s. They all just wanted to learn more and and do their due diligence, and Mm -hmm. then it just crashed and burned. Yeah, she was even mentioned a few times when I was doing my research on on this place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yes. So. After putting on stage shows for the patients and other wings, they were encouraged also to go partake in Sunday morning religious services as there was also a religious facility for patients to use. Men were on one side of the wing and women were on the other side, which 
at the time I feel like was okay because you never know with like assaults and things that do happen in places like this where there's just mm-hmm. a lot of people confined together. Yeah. Maybe it's better to have a little bit of separation. There's always, it's always beneficial to have a bit of separation. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the patient's therapy included doing work and having jobs around the campus to keep them feeling like a valuable part of society. What's better is that they were not forced to do any sort of jobs, but it was encouraged. They did not have to, but it wasn't like when you go to prison and they assign work jobs or whatever. Yeah, you have to do it. Yeah, Yeah, no, this was just, you can go out and farm if you want. Like, they would tend to the gardens on campus as well as tending to the farms and harvesting their own food and vegetables and stuff. Yeah, they're so. all, all those buildings like that were always self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they would encourage, you know, the actual people living there to be like, hey, you want to help out a little bit? Yeah, I mean, they were on 203 acres. It would be mm-hmm. reasonable to that they would have a farm, you know, and be able and to eat. They actually had farm to table in their dining rooms and in their cafeterias. So oh, yeah, yeah. It's really nice. And I can imagine some people just like to work and it's a good stimulation for them and mm-hmm. that would have been good. Yeah, it keeps them from being bored or from getting mm-hmm. stir crazy. And yep, exactly. Yeah, so there was also occupational therapies like loom weaving, which the facility would end up selling the patient's creations like their handmade rugs and blankets. Oh yeah. Yeah. Eventually there was also a sewing room, bakery, woodworking shop, and even a community store. So it was really... It seems like it was trying to be a really decent, yeah, very normal place for these people to be. And it's like Eloise where it is a complex. It has all of that stuff mm-hmm. around it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, however, we know with these kinds of facilities, there are always rumors of mistreatment, overpopulation, and neglect due to overpopulation and, of course, abuse. Yeah. Not only that, but rumors of patients going missing when the facility claimed they'd been discharged. Hmm. Um, it's not like, we'll get into it, but it's it's a, weird, it's a weird story. Okay. So let's get into all that and see what we find. <laughs> like most of the facilities for the mentally ill in that time period, the Olmstead Complex did use utilize shock therapy, which I'm I was, shocked. I know. Which I was surprised to learn after doing a little bit more research, and there was a commentary by a current psychologist. Apparently, some forms of shock therapy are still used. Yes, 100%. Yep, today. Yeah, today. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I was I was a little surprised by that, to be honest. Um, but she says that in certain situations... Oh, yeah, 100%. It, they still claim that it works, and I'm just boggled. My, I was just boggled Yeah, I think that. that came up in Trans-Allegheny, because, yeah, they 100% use it. Yeah, I was I was just like, okay, that's a little crazy. I agree. I got to do a little bit more research on what today's methods are. I'm a and little interested in that. And why it's used, yeah, yeah. But it's definitely used. I would like to know what, what fucking messed up surgeons are doing lobotomies on the DL. Because I bet you it's, I swear to God, it probably still happens. People are crazy, and people are just awful. So, I guess lobotomies were also performed but that neurology in that manner wasn't a huge focus in this place as it was at others, so it was not a very large thing that happened there. Okay. I think they were more of, like, shock therapy, and I didn't even hear anything about hydrotherapy or anything. Hmm. Everything's kind of, everything about this place is kind of very down low. Either yeah, nothing yeah. happened that was that bad, or everything was kept very been. quiet. Yeah. Because there are some things, so... 
Patients were often shackled to their beds as they were in many other facilities at the time, but they were literally tied down with twisted bed sheets. Like they would just twist up their bed sheets, tie it around their ankles and wrists and tie it to the bed. Jesus. Um, still, lots of other treatments of the patients is widely unknown and they kept it very secretive, like I was saying, which is pretty sus to me. According to Applegate Genealogy, only one year after the facility opened in 1881, the New York Times published an article titled, quote, Brutes in an Insane Asylum, a story of cruelty from the state asylum at Buffalo. Damn. This was just a year after it opened. The New York Times published this article. The article specifies that facility has a habit of committing severe and, quote, terrible cruelties towards the patient's. More specifically, the patients that were, quote, too noisy or too slow entering the dining room. Yes, yes, yes. yes. That makes, that tracks. Yep, the ones that are just uncontrollable or too, Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. so. The article also describes stories of patients that were seen with black eyes from being beaten. Good Lord. There were forced fucking sterilizations, as in (sighs) castration. Holy fuck. And get this. Forced drownings. Hmm. So maybe there was water therapy, but they didn't Some t- say hydro. anything about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. They were using that shit everywhere. It's just creepy to me. And mind you, there were also, I don't even think I put it in the article for some reason or in the story, but there were, there was a large tunnel system underneath. There's that always a, a large lot. fucking yeah. tunnel system. Yes. And I don't know what they did in there, but... Mm. <sighs> Apparently, there were also reports of staff trying to cover up the atrocities being committed, sometimes by threatening the patients by, like, hurting them. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To quote the New York Times article in Applegate, Applegate Genealogy, in one instance, a staff member threatened to, quote, pound a patient to death if he ever reported the abuse to the supervisor. Yeah, that makes sense, too. Apparently, I couldn't find any, but this was the first article of many that was run on the treatment of patients at the Olmstead facility. Oh, yeah. They were always running But I didn't read anything about it. It's just weird that this place is kind of... You find so much about other places where the abuse is easy and and rampant to find, but, like, no. Here, it's just somehow been hidden. Who knows? At one point, the facility housed around 3,000 patients with an average housing of 1,800, even though the complex was only built to house 600 patients. Yep, yep, yep. yep. That always happens, too. Mm -hmm. They get overrun. They don't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. uh, Yep. And people just crammed. Yep. And you know that they're not having a lot of workers, of course. Oh, yeah, no, it's overrun. Mm-hmm. People are probably sitting in filth, and it's not clean, and they're yep. probably not getting fed. At one point, I'm not sure why, perhaps this was after the college was built next door, but at one point, the patients were no longer allowed to roam around the grounds, and so the facility had lots of balconies that actually looked like fenced-in cages. Yeah, I saw the picture of those. Yeah, so they could just stand out there in the cages, Yeah, fresh air. Well, let me tell you. It's weird because it kept saying that this place was abandoned and patients weren't in there, but I believe that the main complex was still used in 2010 when I was there because 
we were always creeped out walking by it because you could see in the windows there are bars and there are still fencing and there mm-hmm. were people patients that were kind of like creepily like hanging on the bars and mm-hmm. you could see them watching through the windows it was really strange it was definitely still used at the time there were even visitors and things yeah so i don't think that the whole complex was being used for a long period of time after the 70s but i do believe the main building was still being used for something okay. like that and i even spoke with a patient or a person recently who was a patient there when I was doing a Reiki session at one point and he and that wasn't that long ago so Mm -hmm. it wasn't that long ago that patients were still housed there at least you know 11 12 years ago I'm gonna get into the disappearance story just so you know guys this episode's gonna be pretty darn short so hopefully maybe you were in mood for like a little respite from a really long one (laughs) yes yes we always need to throw those in there yep a little mini Mini murder mystery or whatever. <laughs> so in 2018, a story emerged on news.wfbo, I'm sorry, wbfo.org with information from a descendant of a woman who was a patient at the facility. And the article is titled Murder, Mystery, and Disappearance of Former Late 1800s Psychiatric Patient. Hmm. The former patient's name was Sarah Ann McMullen, also known as Sadie from Akron. And I tried to do more research into her, but I couldn't find much more than just this article. Of course. Because I was very, I was very interested because uh-huh. this is just um, based on the fact of the relatives not knowing what happened to her after. Mm-hmm. But in 1890 on Halloween night, Sadie from Akron was accused of murder. Sadie allegedly brought two young girls to a trestle in the cement works area. By the way, dictionary time. A trestle is basically Mm -hmm. a bridge of sorts. Mm -hmm. The girls were Nellie Mae Connors, who was eight years old, and Della Brown, who was six. Oh, Della. I was going to say, by the way, I love the name Della. Della is adorable. adorable. Yep, and I just love Della Brown. I mean, Nellie, I, I, yep. that goes back to my you know, little house days. Yep, well, and I'm like no Ellie, so, yeah. and, I, and in sixth grade in, like, elementary school, people would call me Nellie, so, yeah. <laughs> Nellie but and Della. Nellie and Della, so. So, rest in peace. Poor girls. Poor the girls. adorable name. I do love your name. Yeah. So rest in peace. Well, hold on. So, yes, rest in peace to one of them. One of them oh, survived. okay, all right. So, good guess. Okay. (laughs) So, she takes these two girls to the bridge and pushes them both off from 52 feet up in the air. I have no idea why. I couldn't find, like I said, any information on her motive or her in general. I really wanted to find out how did she know these girls? Why did she do this? But this was in 1890, so there's, like, no investigative journalism on it at that point, I feel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sadly, Nellie did die from her fall, but Della survived and actually testified against Sarah in court. Ooh. The court found that Sarah was not mentally sound at the time of the crime, and so instead she was charged with, I believe she was charged not guilty, Hmm. but yet they still sent her to the psych which might be well. It would it would be not guilty by reasons of insanity, right? Okay, so yeah. So when they are found insane, I guess it's more it's a different type of. Yeah. So she did commit the murder, but they're calling it not guilty because she, she was wasn't, she, she wasn't wouldn't have mentally done it sound. If she, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't know what they found that would have concluded that. I wish I could find more research on this uh-huh. case because I feel like it's like a little bit of a true crime blurb in my little haunted episode <laughs> Exactly. Here. I love it when those happen. Hasn't happened since like Pan's Ram, I feel <laughs> like. But, um, so she was sentenced to the Buffalo State Asylum at the time and would be released once re- rehabilitated and of sound mind again. Mind you, Sarah was only 17 years old. Oh, wow. Which, when I was reading about her, I was like, okay, she seems like this older lady. No, she was a 17-year-old girl who pushed these two younger girls off the bridge. Hmm. And I just want to know why. I want to know why. You know, I'm, like, super curious. While she was in in the asylum, she was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy, or TLE. Hmm. I don't know enough about it to where... Uh, I would think that it would contribute to, like, murderous Yeah, tendencies. I get what you're saying. Yes, 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 yes. I've never heard of somebody with epilepsy that being a direct correlation to murderous tendencies. Mm-mm, no. So I'm not sure what that had to do with anything, but they did find that she was also actually diagnosed with this at the age of five in Chicago. Hmm. In 1893, so three years later, doctors found Sarah to be rehabilitated and of sound enough mind to be released. According to them, she married immediately after her release and just went off with her husband. This is what they said. Huh. Her family never once heard of this marriage. They never saw her after she was released. They didn't know anything. She was just gone. Just gone. And the facility does not allow relatives or direct descendants to access her medical files. That's fucked. Which would have told... she. It would have told Sarah's great nephew where she planned to go once she left. Yeah. Because they, yeah. the hospital usually, when discharging medical patients like that, they'll kind of have an idea of what's going uh-huh. on after where they're going. Like, they want to know you're going to be all right and uh-huh. have a plan. Yep. Like in Girl Interrupted, she had to like do a whole bunch of different steps and she had to prove that she had a place to live. She yeah. had a job. She had a you know something set up for her mental health to keep it. Mm-hmm. But her right family, family watch that shit. Read the book. <laughs> yeah. Her family knew nothing. And you would think that her family would have been involved in this plan yeah, you'd think. to keep her mentally mm-hmm. healthy. Or would know, you know, like, hey, guys, I'm getting out in a month. Yeah. Or, you know, something of the sort. And then now, all of a sudden, after being in there for three years, going in with no no boyfriend or anything. Just bam. Leaving with a husband. hmm That's weird. Yeah. And the family thinks so, too. So, her nephew is now correlating this situation to the Willard State Hospital, which is... Actually, the state hospital I was, I found research from that lady I was telling you about uh-huh. that I want to do. I've heard of Willard, yep. Yep, 100%. Yeah, and it's in the Finger Lakes, uh-huh. which I wonder if they do tours or if it's still running because I want to go. Huh, we should, should look, look it up. Yeah. yeah. And I guess at one point when the hospital closed in 1995, now keep in mind this is Willard State Hospital, this is not Buffalo State Hospital, but when this hospital closed in 1995, authorities and researchers found 400 suitcases belonging to patients who were nowhere to be found. Hmm. Like, you would think that if patients were discharged, they would have... Taken their things. Yeah, and if they had died, they would have just gotten rid of the things. You'd think. But no, the suitcases were still there. Huh. So that's just super interesting. Yeah. And I, like, want to dive deeper into, like, the Willard State Hospital. I'm looking at it right add it to the list. now. We got it. Is it not on the list yet? We should have added it to the list. I don't we know. We got to edit. Don't let me forget. So pay attention for our future Willard State Hospital Ugh. episode, guys. 
Of course. It says... Um, you can't tour. Usually off limits to the public, but once a year, historical tours are permitted. Well, maybe we can call and be like, hey, we're the more than murder or paranormal group. You need a million dollars? Yeah, we'll get you on YouTube. No, I'm saying other. Uh, we're going to ask them if they need a million dollars for us to go in that place. Everywhere is so freaking expensive. It's like, we'll do it on the DL. Ooh, good luck on this. What? There's not even really like. Info? Huh. Well, I mean, there is. I'm lying because there is. There's just no Wikipedia page, which I find weird. Oh, that's all right. I'll dig. I'll dig past the wiki. You don't even have to dig. All right. Well, stop looking. It's got to be a story you haven't heard before. I know about Willard. Well, still. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get into the hauntings here, which aren't plentiful, but we'll talk about why. So, the complex was left abandoned, like I said, when the state homes, as the other ones, you know, the state homes started placing patients in separate places and smaller homes and facilities that were state-run and things like that, except for the main facility building, which, like I said, still housed some patients. Probably more. Necessary to be kept in that type of a... I would say it was... at, At the point when I arrived at Buff State, I was told that it was a criminal... Criminally insane place. Yeah, yeah. So I believe that the people who were there was probably having to do with that. Yep. So in 2017, it was actually officially turned into a luxury hotel called Hotel Henry. Unfortunately, being that the hotel was still young by 2020, the hotel shut its doors for good due to problems caused by the pandemic. Meh. I'm really hoping that they can turn it around because... I've never been able... I didn't even know that that was a hotel. I would have gone and stayed because that's that's awesome. But the owners of the facility now want to portray the building in a better light. I mean, they did turn it into a luxury hotel. So there wasn't really any in-depth ghost stories. And if there are, they may be just shared by word of mouth right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because it seems like the, the owners just kind of shut it down. They wanted people not to come for paranormal aspects and things like that or be scared to come. They wanted people to come... And have a nice retreat. So, in fact, the owners even partnered with the Anti-Stigma Coalition to Mm -hmm. literally put an end to any rumors or theories about the facility being haunted. Which leads me to believe there's a lot more to this place that we just aren't knowing. 100%. There's so much more Uh awful things that took place. There's more... Yeah. Hauntings that have happened that we just don't know about. Because people are staying there or have worked there and know that mm-hmm. it's haunted. And I mean, they even went to a freaking coalition to That's stop rumors what? about it. That's nuts. Just let people think it's haunted. Yeah. Because quite honestly, if it is a luxury resort, you're still going to get people who want to stay there because it's haunted. Exactly. Maybe like, more people. Exactly. You don't have people are obsessed no. with the Cecil Hotel and uh-huh. things like that. You uh-huh. know? Stanley Hotel. The one that yeah, I was going to say, the yeah. one that was for The Shining. Like, uh-huh. yeah, so stupid. They are really serious about not per- 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 perpetuating any ghostly ideas at all. Okay, well, you know what? We're gonna stay there if it ever opens again. But it's funny because out. they even used to have Hotel Henry like ghost tours, yeah, at yeah. one point, I apparently, it. which I again didn't know about. Which I'm pissed. <laughs> I didn't know about any of this stuff until it's over. I'm pissed. I'm pissed. So, some of the things that may have been noticed when touring the facility, if you were able, the hallways are often freezing cold. Mm. 
-hmm. Just freezing. There is a staircase that leads to nowhere except for a blank wall. So something that was obviously boarded up and sealed at some point. Huh. Interesting. Objects move around the rooms. So poltergeist activity. Mm -hmm. Flickering lights. And voices crying out for help. Yeah, that one's pretty common. That, especially for facilities like that. Uh-huh. And it's just awful and disturbing when you think about why they're calling out for help and the fact that these poor souls were just absolutely tortured in these facilities and treated just like dirt. Yep. Oh, it's awful. And some of them may have been murdered. And... Mm-hmm. Awful. When construction workers were there fixing up the building before it was turned into a hotel, they too heard voices crying out for help in what was at the time a completely empty facility. (laughs) The workers also complained of their tools going missing, as well as seeing shadow figures in and around the upper floors. Oof. So there are definitely things that were happening here. Oh, a thousand They just don't want people to have anything to do with it. We just, yeah. Many visitors getting a tour or were staying in the hotel would automatically get the feeling of anxiety and dread when they entered the building, However, many do think that simply because people have generally negative feelings towards asylums, past or present, in general. When you hear asylum, you think that, you know that bad things happen there. You already know that, in most yeah. cases, bad things happened in these places a long time ago. The uh-huh. treatment of these people were awful. And so, yeah. when you go in somewhere, you just automatically have this feeling of, oh, gosh, this is kind of a scary place to go into. You know, True. things like that. True, yeah. So... Some people have said that while they believe there are ghosts in the building, they haven't felt anything bad or negative as others may have. Hmm. In fact, they said that the building has a very calm and peaceful feeling to it. Some believe it's because of the Kirkbride plan, and at this place compared to others, may not have been as torturous of a place to be. Or you just don't know all the history. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you feel calm and stuff, maybe that's like, maybe that is Kirkbride trying to be like, damn, this wasn't my plan, you know, this is what I wanted it to be. But, you know, and there are probably different feelings in there. You know, it's not, not everybody was sad. Not everybody, you know, maybe, you know, maybe at times the treatment wasn't awful before it got overpopulated and things Uh like that. Uh It seems like they all have that one point where it is very nice and it's a good mm -hmm. place to be. And unfortunately, it just, they all... I mean, it's hard to say because that New York Times article, The Brute, and mm-hmm. I mean, that was written one year after it was open. So it's hard to uh, even Minus speculate. Six months of good. And yeah. Bad. <laughs> I mean, unless it got overpopulated uh, that quickly, I don't know. Most of them did because it was just. Everybody was sent there. there. Yeah, Everybody. You could be sent there for anything. Mm-hmm. Anything and everything. That's just crazy. It was never really considered a poor house as far as my resources said but it was it seems like it was built for a psychiatric center which yeah. i think trans allegheny was built for that reason too mm-hmm. some just kind of start as poor it's weird yeah it's weird how some just like kind of start and then they're like oh we're mistreating people let's continue it in a psych psych facility uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> setting <laughs> yes so amazing oh, no god messed yeah. up people so again that episode was really short and i'm sure there are people probably with their own stories or maybe who have been traveling around the complex that kind of just have stories, but... I want to ask my aunt. 
Because she went to the University of Buffalo. I want to see if maybe she was going around Buffalo at that time and, and noticed anything. Maybe. Who knows? UB is about, like, I think UB, how long was our bus ride? It's hard because we were on the bus, so it was, like, 30 minutes. But It could have been like Buff stop. State, but I, I want to say she went to the university, but it could have been Buff State. I loved being at Buff State with that building right next door. It was seriously the coolest thing. I would just sit there looking out my window sometimes at the building, see if I could see any fancies on the window or And anything. it's a very... Like, you notice that building even when you're just driving in Buffalo. Yeah. If you're around it because yeah. of that green and those those huge the towers. towers. Yeah. Like yeah. huge. It's a beautiful, beautiful building. It really is. But Asylums were. I know. They built gorgeous, gorgeous buildings for Well, if you bad notice things Yeah, if you notice that <sighs> in some of the pictures it shows that even some of the walls are curved. Yes. Which yeah. at the time with this brick, it's amazing. It's not, and yeah. The reason why they did that, actually, I read, was because they knew that in other hospitals where there was only straight hallways, it was easier to overpopulate the hospital because you could pile people into the hallways and put beds against the walls. A lot of people but if did. there was curved hallways... You can't do that. Yeah. So they tr- they built the building even to with... try, yeah. Yeah, and it's just crazy how quickly uh, it turned around. It always... Buffalo you know, does, it's man. just, it's such a beautiful building. And Buff mm-hmm. State right next door, it actually, a lot of it kind of resembles that type of style of building. So it, it's really neat. I'm about to go freaking this weekend if it's a nice weekend. Hey, there you go. <laughs> That's actually what I like to do. Oh. I go walk around Delaware Park, go walk past the asylum a little bit, mm-hmm. see if it has any signs that say I can't go on the property. Maybe we'll go on the property if we're allowed. <laughs> I think that'll be nice. Uh, I'm going to check the weather now. I'm excited. And I it's supposed think. to be okay. I mean, it said, like, partly cloudy with sun. I don't know. Mm, I don't course. think it's getting into, like, the 70s. But... I just want it to be sunny. No, no freaking gloom anymore. I know. Ugh, I need the warm weather. It's freaking middle of May almost. This but is crazy. But it didn't crazy. say any rain, That's so it, it shouldn't be, like, gloomy. Yeah. Well, that'll be good then. Maybe it'll be better to do that. It won't be too hot to go. True. So I'm going to say thank you always for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Check out the blog for picks and episode sources at morethanmurderpod.com. If you haven't yet, head over to YouTube to watch our very first episode of our Paranormal Snoop series. And be sure to, while you're there, hit the subscribe button and the bell so you're always in the loop with new content when it drops. And if you haven't already, also head over to the socials and follow us there as well. You can find us on Zephasabook at More Than Murder. You can follow us on the Twitter at More Than Underscore Murder. And you can follow us on the Insta at More Than Murder Pod. If you have any stories you particularly want to hear or simply want to say hi or want to tell us your experience with either being at Buff State with the hospital there or if you've ever gone on a tour, if you were able to stay at Hotel Henry. Yeah. Anything. Uh, Tell us your experiences because we'd love to hear them. And you can do that at the Gmail at morethanmurderpod at gmail.com. Do it up. Do it up. Do it up. We will catch you next week. We love you guys. We love you. Bye. Bye.